morning. I'm reading Ephesians 3, 14 through 21 on page 977 of your Pew Bible. Prayer for spiritual strength. You can rise. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. The children may be dismissed to Children's Church. Or stay, whatever whatever they like. I do welcome you to First Baptist Church, Monterey. I'm Nathan Wren, your pastor here for going on 23 years by the grace of God. And uh, we are in, in the book of Ephesians. We are teaching right through the book. It's our normal uh, course of doing things. And as Tiffany read our text today, that's where we're focusing uh, for this day. So let's let's commit this time to our Lord. Father, you are the Lord, and we ask for your blessing and help. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week, we ended uh, our text with this very confident, say boisterous and strong statement about our access uh, to God the Father. We have access, it says in verse 12, you see 3.12, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Big, huge words. Access is so important uh, in, in, you know, in, in today's world, right? Try to from your iPhone, try to get onto your bank account. Uh, you got to have access uh, in your computer. You want access to your files. You don't want other people to have access to your files. Uh, you hear about break-ins, right? The uh, credit reporting company recently. Well, they only lost, you know, like everybody in the United States is compromised at this point. Just, just a few people. Uh, it's horrible, scary, um, and some of you work on in this whole field. It's a big, important thing for the U.S. government, cyber security. Uh, thank God for that. That uh, at least we're working on it. It's a little little hut in Maryland somewhere, 
that works on this sometimes. Might it's called uh, the NSA or something like that. A little tiny, you know, hut with a porta potty out next to it. <laughs> now it's like an epicenter of, of this sort of thing. Uh, access is is huge. It's huge. And of course, uh, the, the glorious thing as we come to the Word of God, uh, we're not talking about something trivial like your social security number or, and your access to your personal data. That's, that's absolutely nothing compared to what we're talking about here. We're talking about human beings having access to God, the Creator the sustainer of heaven and earth. And, and the Bible teaches us that you and I, through Jesus Christ, have direct access to God the Father. We don't go through any other human intermediary. No, no other means. It's all through Jesus. That's how powerful and amazing Jesus is. That's actually the gospel. Uh, that through Jesus, we have access to God. And that's what Paul says here, verse 12. In whom, that's in Christ, we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. I think it's kind of interesting that when he gets to his point, finally in verse 14, our text for today, he says, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father. So that brings in a whole healthy dose of humility, too. Because the verse 12 talks about boldness and confidence, and that's the way I read it. It's like, boom, let's take, let's go in there. Come on, let's go in there. Which is, this is good, you know. There's a lot of that there, too. But it also says, you go in there and you bow your knees. We don't do that. Baptists don't do that, do they? I remember once in a while, very rarely, I think twice, this being the second time, <laughs> I bowed my knees on this stage. Uh, we just don't do that. We, we don't have kneelers uh, for you to bow uh, there at the pews in, in worship. Probably a fault of ours. We probably should have a little bit more humility uh, to bow my knees before the Father, in the, in the presence of, toward the Father, I bow my knees. And, and that's where we come as this great apostle opens his heart to tell us what's really important. I mean, you could kind of say today, Paul, tell us what's on your heart here. What would you like for us? And let's start up, up at verse 7 again of, of last week's sermon. By the working of the power of God, he says, he has been made a, a minister. And that word, by the way, see that word in verse 7? I was made a minister. It's, it's, we, we get our word deacon from it. And it, it means a servant uh, of the kind of a servant, not a slave, that's the Greek word doulos. Uh, this is a, uh, a, a person who's willingly sort of employed as a waiter 
a, a helper, like somebody who brings the food out to the table. So that's what this word minister means. Uh, he's a servant of this gospel. I was made a, a servant according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. So Paul has this, and we looked at that, right, in Acts 9. I don't know if it was last week. It might have been the week before. We talked about what is Paul. Oh, yeah, no, it was last week. Paul's talking about by the, God poured his power into his life, changed him radically to where uh, his, whole, uh, his whole history of being a, a good Jewish boy, zealous for the word of God, practically having the whole Bible memorized, and, and zealous for the truth. It's all brought together in the Messiah, who is Christ. And it, it's not about a, it's not a religion, you know. It's, it's, a, it's a whole life experience. Uh, it's, it's all encompassing of everything it means to be human, in intellect and in uh, sensation, in emotion, in fulfillment, in expectation, uh, potential, being pulled ahead to something bigger, of understanding the world and where it's going. And, uh, and it's kind of, to me, it's like a mountain summit. I've told you once in a while of my one experience of summiting the highest mountain in the, the, the lower 48. It's in California. It's not in Colorado. Okay. It's, it's called Mount Whitney. And back in the, I think it was 09 or 08, something like that, a dear friend of mine dragged, drugged me up the hill. <laughs> It was, it was horrible, but it was amazing. It took us four days, four days to do this. But, but when you get up there, it's awe-inspiring, and the view is amazing, and it's all hard to take in. That's where we are when we come to Paul, understanding the Messiah, Jesus Christ, and all that he means. That's what we've been trying to unpack from verse 1 of chapter 1. Uh, right on through to today's text, this massiveness. So he says, for this reason, because of all this potential, of all this reality, and because of all this access, I bow my knees before the Father. And what is he praying? Uh, we have, to whom is he praying? He says, the Father. And who is this Father? Well, he comes up with this very strange, big description. Look at it there in verse 15, and we're not going to spend much time on it. It says, this father, from whom every family, and the word for uh, father is like patera, and then the word for family is uh, pateria. Uh, so it's just, you know, it's the same root word. It means uh, the, the families of the earth from whom every family in heaven and on earth 
in heaven and on earth is named. So, so summing it up, what he's saying is this, this God is very big. He names all the families on earth and in heaven. And quite frankly, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I just want to tell you that. In, in, in some sense, he's thinking of this, that here, here is this converted Jew realizing that the gospel's for the Gentiles. It's for the entire world. It's for all cultures. And God is their father. Uh, it says in, in um, Malachi, um, it says that he, he is the father of us all. In, in, uh, I'll just throw it out. In Malachi. It's a short book. Read it. You'll find it. Um, he's the father of us all. And there's this sense that God, God is the, he's, he's the God for the Mongolian. He's, he's the God of, of the, the Chinese. He, he's the God of the Westerners, the Greeks. He's the God for all people. He's the God of everyone. Okay? And, but, of course, he also has this reference in mind of when he says the, of the heavens. He's thinking of the, the heavenly forces, uh, uh, you know, be, even beyond the earth. So, as I said, that's to whom he's speaking. And what is he asking for? That's verse 16. That according to the riches of his glory, it's a theme of the book, his glory, this, this God is so massive, so big, so amazing, he just shines in glory. And you can't quite, you, you'll, believe me, dear friends, you'll never understand God. He's always going to be bigger and, and better and more amazing uh, than you'll ever, we will ever understand. That's, that's what it means. It's like, okay, that blows me away. Wow. This is a sermon where you can sort of make sound effects, okay? The the main part of my sermon is sound effects. Wow! Okay? Like climbing Mount Whitney. You know, you work all day. We got up at 4.30 in the morning. We strap little lights on our head, trudge up this mountain. We get up to the top right around noon. And then when you're up there, it's like, Okay, the summit's over there. And I, I literally said, oh, that's horrible. And my poor hiking partner said, you know, come on, Nate, have some, <laughs> quit being so negative. Well, I know, but I'm just barely moving here. Um, it's because it's higher and bigger and further than you can a- anticipate. Uh, and you finally get up there, and then it's just awe-inspiring. That's glory in a, you know, a small physical way. God is the creator of that. He's bigger and better than that. So according to the riches of his glory that he may grant you, I love that powerful word, he's going to give us something. What is he going to give us? Give us to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that 
Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, if you're looking for a, a um, thesis of this sermon, that, that actually is it. Uh, Paul humbly prays to the Father that we would actually experience Christ living in us. That's the idea. And he's talking to Christians here. He's talking to people in the church of Ephesus. What does that imply? Well, that does imply it seems like you might miss this experience. You might be uh, in the church and not have this experience so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Uh, you, can, you can be, and this is a, a gray area. Are they, are they Christians and not fully experiencing Christ living in their heart? I think that's probably a, a big category. But there's also always in the physical church, there's also always people there that they really aren't a part of the body of Christ. And they really don't have Christ dwelling in their heart at all. They're, they're actually just sort of there for the cultural effect uh, that they like the people. That's like, are you kidding me? No. <laughs> they do, and they like the social effect, or, or for whatever reason, they're part of it culturally. And they, they're, but they're missing the core, you know. And he's praying, this is what his prayer is, that they would actually experience Christ living in them. But look at how that's going to happen. Verse 16 again. That according to the riches of his glory, he might grant you to be strengthened with power. Friends, that's another theme in the book of Ephesians. It takes God's amazing power, and we know he's the God of all physical power, but this is kind of a spiritual power. This is actually a moral, uh, ethical power. In other words, what did Christ ac accomplish on the cross? He paid for our debt. It's the moral debt. Uh, any one of us, if we had enough money, we could pay somebody else's financial debt. But let's say that John Doe was a murderer. I mean, absolutely murdered somebody. This is a fact. I could pay John Doe's financial debt, right? But could I ever pay his moral debt? Could any human being ever pay his moral debt? No, he's still guilty. He's still a guilty. Now, if I was, uh, you know, some sort of high official, I could uh, pardon him, right? But he's still a murderer, right? Yeah. Who has the power to pay the moral debt? What's the bigger power in that scenario? It's awesome to be able to pay financial debt. But you know what? That's like nothing compared to the power of relieving forever moral and ethical debt. 
And, and also, part of this is the whole spiritual power of Christ changing us. Here again, Paul says, up in verse 7, was given me by the working of his power. Paul was traveling on the road to Damascus, very intent on what he was going to do, as we've talked about. And God whacked him with light, smashed him to the ground, and he was temporarily blinded even. And he, he was changed. He was a changed man. Uh, and he uses this theme a few times in this book, as I said, Remember, I've quoted it many times, verse 19, 119. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? So now he says in our text today, verse 16, 316, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. This is something that he's praying that God does. We, we could pray this prayer with him. God, would you please strengthen me? Would you please strengthen John, whoever? Would you please strengthen them with power through your spirit in the inner being, as the inner man is the actual Greek, it means just the person inside of us, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through where do we go with this? This is, this is Paul's prayer. This is his desire. His desire for you and I and for the Ephesian church that they would truly have Christ in them. And he's acknowledging how this will happen. It takes the intervention of God. We pray for God's work. Salvation is of the Lord. It is his work. And it is the Holy Spirit who changes us and works in us to make us uh, the home of Christ. See, verse 17 then is the core of, of this text, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Uh, the dwelling here, I have a rock house, right? It's, it's not a tent. It's not something made by Coleman, right? Uh, it's not something you buy at Costco. Uh, this is a solid uh, dwelling. That's because that's this word here. Uh, there's a word, oikos in Greek. You should know this word. It's, you'll find it in various places. Oikos is the word for house. Uh, and this is kata oikos. Kata is a prefix, meaning, I'm going to have to make a sound effect again. Uh, <laughs> it's something like really, really intense. Okay? Permanent. Not passing. So what is he saying? That God, Christ may indwell, may stay there, not temporarily. May, may be, take up residence in your, what, where? In your hearts. Plural, because he's talking to several individuals. That so that Christ may dwell. That's this strong word. We want Christ to live in us. We want to actually experience Christ. Now, good friends, what does this mean? Uh, 
what would be sort of the key marks of this, right? I think that sort of, sort of in a general way, it would be fair to say he's talking about the great commandment, that you would love the Lord, your God, your, with everything, your power, your might, your strength, your intellect, uh, and your actions. In other words, you, you have this. Paul is the example of this. He's going along to Damascus. I hate Jesus. I hate Jesus. I hate Jesus. I want to kill Jesus. I want to kill anybody who likes Jesus. Then, boom! Sound effect sermon of the week. Power. Radically changed him. To now he's going, I love Jesus. Jesus is everything. And I'm going to worship Jesus. I'm going to, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to worship the one God who exists in three persons. And the Messiah is my God. My love, my Lord. Back when I was a kid, I'd hear my parents talk around the house. They, they were believers. Praise God. And they would say, yeah, th those, I can tell those people love the Lord. I mean, you know, that's how they would talk about people. They, they seem to love the Lord. And, and that's just a cool way of saying this. If Christ is dwelling in your heart, your heartbeat is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It is Messiah, Christ. I love the Messiah. I love the Lord. So, if Christ dwells in your heart, it means you can't say enough about Jesus. And you, you really trust in him completely. You believe that he paid for your sins. You know, not something stupid. By the way, that said a $180,000 debt for housing. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, none of you are Californians. $180,000 debt for housing. Have you tried to buy a house in California? <laughs> uh, it's a little bit more than that in California, okay? Let's try, try you know, 470, 920, 1.4 million. That's more like California numbers. 180, anything. But my point is this. What is my point? It's a, it would, it's a, remember, it's just absolutely trivial to pay off all of that debt compared to the one who paid for my moral debt. What do I owe him? I love him. Yeah. I, I want to live for him. I have an insatiable desire to worship him. That's really the core here. So he, we want him to live in us. Uh, Jesus talked about this, of course, in, in, in uh, a few ways. Uh, if you look at John, look at John 15 real quick. It, he talks about abiding. It's a different word for dwelling. It's a real common Greek word, meno, means to remain, to stay. I'm going to remain 
yeah. How long are you going to be here? I'm, I'm remaining here. <laughs> uh, I'm not leaving, actually. I'm going to remain. I'm going to stay. That's the flavor here. And uh, like 15.4, again, we can't get into all of this, but it's very wonderful. Jesus says, abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So he's saying there's a mutuality here, see? That's kind of what I was trying to say. What is Christ abiding, dwelling in us look like? Well, from our point of view, it means I love him. I want to pursue him. I want to love him with all my heart and soul. That's me abiding in him. Then he says, abide in me and I in you. I am abiding in you. I'm remaining in you. Christ living in you is a life-altering situation, and it has life-altering blessings. A remaining time, let's look at we're climbing up to the pinnacle, and let's just look around at some of the peaks uh, here in this text of Holy Word. Uh, verse 17, again, Ephesians 3, so that Christ may dwell. You know, that should be our prayer, O oh Lord, dwell. Dwell in our hearts through faith. That's we just we have to faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So the more we hear the word, the word of our Lord Jesus, uh, which is the word of God, we'll have our faith increase and we'll experience more of the dwelling. But look at what he says here, that you being rooted and grounded in love. This is a picture of, of some local redwoods about uh, 45 minutes away. There's a place called Henry Cowell Redwoods. And there's a beautiful grove of, of uh, uh, coastal redwoods. Sequoia sempervirens, which means uh, ever-living. Kind of an overstatement, but, you know, they live a long time. <laughs> Uh, and it's Latin anyway, so who understands, right? Um, but they're gorgeous trees. And look what he says here. They're a perfect example of this. That you being rooted and grounded in love, love, agape. Let me just reference. I was going to show it to you, but my advisor said, no, you're right. It's not a good idea. But did you see that New York Life commercial on the, the four types of love? from the classical Greek. It was in the World uh, World Series. No, the Super Bowl. <laughs> if you didn't see it, Google it. Uh, the love commercial from New York Life. It's fantastic. They, they, I know they had some Christian on the staff that, that helped make that because it's so good. Um, it says there's four types of love, uh, you know, in the classical Greek. Our Bible's not written in classical Greek, but it's written in the language that grew out of classical Greek called Koine Greek. And, and, and the, the four types, uh, we won't go over them, but the fourth one and the final one is, is what? You could, you know, no, what is it? Agape. Agape, which is not a love based on affinity. Um, it's not a love based on a physical uh, desire. It's not a love based on, on a relationship. It's a love based on, I love you, and I'm going to take action. I'm committed to you. I'm going to do this thing. 
with you for life. Um, New York life. <laughs> um, it's so beautiful because that's our word here. Being rooted and grounded in love. Christ dwelling in your hearts is to, to bring more and more of his love into our life uh, that we understand and are rooted and grounded. And I said these redwood trees are good examples of this because the cool thing about redwood trees is they, they, they're interrelated. They're, their roots don't go deep. They don't have a taproot. Root. They, they go wide and they all interconnect and interweave. So they literally do last a very, very long time. Uh, 2,000 years or so, and because when the huge winds, the Pacific winds come, boy, those fir trees fall over, and those non-native eucalyptus trees fall over, but the redwoods do not, generally speaking, <laughs> no guarantees, but generally speaking, they don't, because they're just really well connected. They're interwoven. They're rooted. They're grounded in something solid. That's where we build our life, on the solid love of God. He has loved you. He's demonstrated his love through Jesus Christ. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, and then look what he says here. There's some amazing words. Um, I, I put, let's see, did I put this on the next screen? I did. This is the next slide, and I'm, I apologize if, if it's a little too small. Uh, th these are just the words from, not just, these are the words from the scripture, okay? These are the amazing words in, in this is the benefits. Christ living in you has life-altering blessings, that you would be rooted and grounded in love, verse 18 now, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints, please let's pause there for a second, that's what we're trying to do this morning. And uh, Eugene taught a class this morning. We have small group. We have Bible study. We're trying to comprehend with all the saints. What are we trying to comprehend? Then Paul puts it this way. It's so cool. Because what does it mean? <laughs> uh, what is the breadth and the length and height and depth? Of what? say uh, because he's saying this is just how big God is this is standing up on Whitney looking all around and it blows your mind our our faith is not some small little religion that we want you to adopt no this is God this is the God the creator the sustainer of everything the redeemer who loved me, who paid my moral, ethical debt. I mean, this is so cool. Peel back the cores of all of reality, all of the time-space continuum that was created by a being, a sentient being who is God himself, a person, not an impersonal force, but a person who loves you. God is love. I mean, can you get any better than that? 
the center, the core of all reality is love, is God, the person, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's what he's saying here. We have to get together, put our heads together. We need spiritual strength to comprehend what is this thing? How wide is it? How long is it? How high is it? How deep is it? There was a, a silly game that I actually hate. Um, I can't remember the name of it. That's how much I hate it. But its byline was this, a minute to learn, a lifetime to master. Somebody said Othello. That might be it. No, that's it, Othello. I don't like it because every time I play, my wife beats me. She tries to lose, and she still beats me. We did this on our honeymoon, and that's the last time we played it. We've been married a long time. <laughs> because we don't play Othello. <laughs> but, but hear that byline. It's cool. It's well said. Whoever, you know, thank you. Uh, a minute to learn, a lifetime to master. And that's what we're talking about here in a much better, broader, deeper, wider, deeper uh, aspect. That's what Paul is saying. Yes, it takes a minute to say, I love you, Jesus. Will you be my savior? And we, we teach our little children to do this. When I was four, I, I prayed to receive Jesus. How much did I know? You know? How deep did it go for me? Not very deep, right? But I believe I was saved. And it takes a lifetime to master this. And here's the good news. We'll spend eternity continuing to marvel and learn who God is and what he has done. So, uh, strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And then here we're back to love again. And to know the love of Christ. Again, that's, he's choosing the word Messiah. He's a completed Jew. Uh, I'm all about the Messiah now. I've always loved the Messiah. Now I found out he's Jesus Christ, our, the Messiah. And what, look, at, look at this sentence here, dear friends. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That deserves a sound effect. Because <laughs> do you hear what he says? I, I want you guys to know something you can't know. That's, that's what we're into. You can't know this. So should we just give up? No, 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 no. It gets better. You know, you keep pursuing it. Keep pursuing it. One of my favorite professors in seminary always used to say, the real value of education is that you're broadening the horizons of your ignorance. You get a little higher on the mountain, you realize, wow, there's a lot I don't know. <laughs> there's a lot I don't know. I want to know more, but there's a and you better get comfortable with that. Because that's God. To know the love of Christ. But it's, it's a, it is this love. Uh, this agape, committed, active love for us. And then he ends again with a hyperbole. Uh, but it's true. Uh, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's what he's calling us to. I want you to be filled with all the fullness of God. Okay, how big am I? How can I hold the fullness of God? 
fruitful. That's why it takes the Spirit to strengthen you in the inner person to make you bigger, to have more God all the time. And, and so he ends then with the glory words uh, of uh, verse 20 and 21. It's the benediction uh, we use every once in a while. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory. That's what I call it, the glory words. To him be glory, glory to God in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I love it how Paul, is it, everything's lovable here. But I love it how he says, throughout all generations. Because they had no idea when Jesus was coming back. They, you know, a lot of them were very convinced that he was coming back, you know, like, okay, next week. Which we still think so. He's probably coming back next week or this week. Even better. Um, but he says, but you know what? Uh, we've got to pass this on to the next generation. Generation after generation. Let's be faithful. Let's be true. Let's, let's be honest and pass this on uh, to, the, to all generations forever and ever. And all God's people said, amen. The guys will come up to lead us in a closing song. I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and pray. Father, that's our prayer. We say amen to Paul's prayer. Lord, we bow our knees, at least in our hearts, we bow our knees before you. You're the Father of, of all, all beings, all beings. You're the all-powerful God. Would you grant us the strength to have Jesus Christ dwelling in our hearts, that we would know his love, and we'd, we'd all be in, increasingly in love with him. Uh, so that we would honor you, and, and we, we pray that in your power you will do this, through Jesus.